0: Hi everybody,
1: it's Marcia, and we are going to have a great show today. I have one guest, Paris Apton Bonds, and she's so interesting. Uh, I met her through Bennett, and I do miss Bennett. I, mean, I have so many Bennett's friends became my friends. So uh, she hasn't been on for a while, and she's been has a new project, and we're going to be talking about that. And the fact that she has over fifty books is incredible, and they're all the covers are great. So on the links that I always put on. Uh, her links of all her covers are on, and when you click in, you'll see all her beautiful covers and everything she's done in the past. And she's also quite brave because she changed her whole life and moved on from one life to the next. So we're going to talk about that. But first off, I just want to say thank you to everybody that uh, helped the Authors for Ukraine. Uh, they raised over $20,000, and all the money goes to the Ukraine. And uh, it was an auction and Amy Mead, she took care of it, and she had 170 authors, and uh, we are all going to be sending the books out, and so it didn't go through Amazon, so the money goes straight to the Ukraine. It was a big project she undertook, and uh, it turned out good. 20 grand is a great thing, and it's never going to be enough because it's so sad what's going on there, and all these shows, all these weeks of all talking about it, so I'm really, you know, hopeful that one day that war is going to be over. But uh, right now, we're going to have a good time with Paris, and um, she. I- I'm going to talk a little bit about her first because she didn't want to do it, but she is absolutely such so interesting. She's uh, had five son- She has five sons, and she raised them and she worked, and she did all these books, and so, and then she decided to change her whole life, but she does, she's won awards, and she said more than 50 novels, so that when you get to that amount, you stop counting, I think, maybe, and then so <laughs> you think, but uh, Paris, you are so interesting. I mean, you know, there's so many people that might want to do what you did, so you just... Changed your whole life, so do you want to talk a little bit about how you did that and why you did that it's- inter- so interesting well when, <laughs> when <it> Tardis. <laughs> I guess that's an introduction <laughs>
2: to how I changed my life
1: could Because <laughs> most people want to a lot of people would like to, but not don't have guts
2: well i reached um let's see I reached almost my eighth decade, and uh, I thought. I'm recycling the past. I'm, I, you know, I I wasn't doing anything different, and I I travel a lot, but you come back and you still find yourself in the same mold. And uh, I knew that I needed to change. I I wanted that change, or I thought. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> so uh, I kept thinking there has to be a better way of. Um, for my life, you know, it was it was so uh, such a routine, you know, get up and write, work, write, and go to bed, uh, and you know maybe yeah. go travel yeah. to a country here and there every so often or do a promo or whatever. But the same old same old. And I woke up one morning and a voice said, Mexico, <laughs> and I
1: thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh,
2: and I mean, when I say a voice, it was my voice. Yeah. Um, I was in the shower and it came out of my lips. <laughs> I, I looked around, yeah. and I like, who's in the shower with me? <laughs> and um, but I had um, I had lived in Mexico exactly. Um, well, it was lacking at that point three months of being fifty years that I had lived in Mexico, and I lived in Mexico City for three years, and two of my sons were born there, two of the five, and um, so I thought about it and I thought. I'm going to do this, and I, uh, in three months, at uh, first I told my sons, and, you know, they thought then, uh-huh, dementia's setting in, she's going wacko, uh, but um, <laughs> right. some of them tried to talk out, talk me out of it, some of them were yeah. really, really supportive.
1: And um, that's, that's interesting, they didn't in all have three, the same opinion, right, yeah. No, uh-uh, uh,
2: they didn't want me to go, <laughs> some of them. Well, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and the others said, Mom, what do you have to lose, and that was it, it yeah. you know it almost eighty. What did I have? What do I have to lose? So I sold you know everything furniture, cars, every like car car wow. singular, um, and I reduced everything to really two suitcases. I had a third uh, that I took, but it was with my laptop and my office uh, files and you know everything I needed there in the third suitcase, and um, I moved to Meiko, mm-hmm. and how I
1: chose that is I think.
2: I, this is interesting. It's not about me so Yes, much. it is. No, it isn't. No, <laughs> Don't
1: worry. You're not boring. Don't worry about
2: it. you <laughs> fine. <laughs> Fifty years ago when I lived, I was 26 when uh, my husband worked for PepsiCo International. We moved to Mexico City, and I hired a 16-year-old um, maid, t- exactly 10 years younger, to work for us, and she worked for us for those three years, and then we arranged to bring her back legally for a year, and at the end of that year she had to return to mexico and we just bawled i, I cried yeah. she was like my uh, my daughter my sister yeah. my best friend wow. and of course she you know she my children i mean my one of my children spoke spanish because of her before he spoke english what i say so anyway yeah. <laughs> i kept in touch with her over all these 50 these 50 years wow. and um and so it's 50 years ago this past December uh, that we actually lived in Mexico. But I moved uh, in September to Queretaro, and she, I had asked her, I said, do you know of a place I can rent until I find where I really want to stay? And she said, come live with me until you know where you want to stay. So I stayed wow. with her for two months until I found the place I'm at now. And uh, I think it's just I don't know miraculous how things come full circle. Exactly fifty years later, um wow. here I am. And the book that just came out and is about a Mexican uh housemaid and based on the truth, but we'll get to that. Um yes. is partially dedicated to this friend, uh, sister, daughter, housemaid, uh, Isabella is her name. So it's partially mm-hmm.
1: dedicated to her. That's wow. it. <laughs> See because you know, and you know honestly was, I was because a housemaid a housemaid at th- those times to, to carry on this relationship all the way through is like a is a family member it's not you know it, that's what it what she became I'm sure to you you know um, after all those years my yeah like a sister and uh, yeah. after
2: I got here uh, my Spanish I'd forgotten so much and she was so invaluable in helping me to get settled in it was not. An easy transition, but I'm so glad I did it. I've been here. I've been here. Well, yeah. I mean, because
1: really, a lot of people sometimes they do think about it, but they don't do it. You know, and so you did it. So, and you're happy. You know, and that's a good thing. I will
2: say I miss my family and friends yeah.
1: there, um, yeah. but
2: on the good side. I am required to go back every six months because of um, Mexican law and renew my visa. And we don't take each other for granted now. You know, if you see someone every weekend or every day, you start taking them for granted. So now we really appreciate each other when I do go back. I've been back twice, actually,
1: since I've moved here. (laughs) Yeah, well, right. And then there's COVID and all of that. So it's not people aren't traveling the way they did before. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's just different now. You know, yeah, like, it is
2: more difficult. I uh, like uh, 24 hours, no more than 24 hours before I fly back into the United States. Um, twice now, I have to stand in line and get a uh, COVID proof yeah. uh, testing. Yeah. Um yeah. So and that so it's just one more little,
1: you know, <laughs> dip in returning, but it's well worth it. <laughs> So I think, you know, but we have there's a lot of subjects I want to talk to you about, but I do want to talk about your new book. And um, so this is quite an endeavor, this book. And most of your books are it's because you go through history. <laughs> you go through history. That's hard, you know. And even though yeah. I was, you know, when I started, you know, researching about what you've done, I mean, with this book. So tell everybody about your book right now because it's such you know, it's a. I'm sure this is close to your heart because you, when you write things like this, you're involved in your writing. I know that, and you love your writing, and that's a good. Thing.
2: Yes, I am very lucky uh, about my writing that I love. I'm following my passion, and so, I mean, every day I get to do something I love. It's not always easy. Um, yes. But this about the book, um, I was on on I was actually writing on another book, and. Um, it was taking place in the uh, 19, 1800s, 19th century El Paso, and I stumbled across this fact that blew my mind. I just, I, and I'll share it in a second. But I thought I have to write this book. I, I knew I was called to write it. So I set aside the other book on the back burner, which I've only done once before, um, and I'm hoping to get back to this, the book I was writing on. But this fact that I stumbled across, i don't, I'm, some of your uh, listeners may be old enough, but Paul Harvey was a renowned radio um, uh, speaker, and he had his own program called The Rest of the yes. Story. So, Marsha, I'm going to share yes. the story I stumbled across, and then the rest of the story, which is mind-blowing. The story wow. I stumbled across was about a ni- uh, 17-year-old housemaid, and it reminds me of Isabella. I hired her when right. she was 16, um, wow. but this was in 1917, so over 100 years ago, about uh, wow.
1: 102 wow. years ago. Yeah,
2: um, she was she was in Juarez, and she would cross every day as a housemaid, like the field workers, the factory workers, other housemaids to work in El Paso. No uh, passport, no visa, nothing was ever required to go back and forth across the Rio Grande. However, on January the 28th, she found out that uh, because of um, typhus, um, there was a report that the Mexicans, um the community there in Juarez, had um, a typhus outbreak. And so the government, the U.S. Public Health Department, built a plant right below the bridge, the International Bridge on the American side, and all uh, Mexican workers crossing over every morning were required to have a bath ticket. They were to be forcibly sprayed with a chemical, which was mm-hmm. kerosene and another ke- chemical, Cyclone B. And um that ticket was good for eight days, and they'd have to do it again and again and again. And um, she led revolt because they also probed every orifice, every orifice. Um, mm-hmm. And if you did have lice, uh, you were shaved. Um, you mm-hmm. did, If you were female, you did get uh, the chemicals, the kerosene, uh, put in a head wrap on your hair one more time just to hope to kill <laughs> any lice. But, and, and people talk about shoes melting in the secadora. Uh, which is a dryer, because all your clothes were also chemically treated.
1: And she uh, she was on a trolley. Well, you know, and they they had to get all undressed. They had to get undressed. Okay. Yes. And they there were a, three separate rooms. So to the put men went, in the, or did they just let them no, be naked? No, the
2: men went to one room, the children <laughs> went to another, and yeah. the women went to another. Now, I have seen later photos, so I'm going to tell you, I don't know... Um, From what I read, they were stripped naked, all all their clothing was put in. I saw photos, this went on until 1958, I believe, and I saw photos of the 40s and 50s of the men Mm -hmm. being sprayed, and they were either naked or I did see some wearing uh, trousers. But if you go online and look and Google it, you will see them naked
1: being sprayed.
2: But anyway, uh, she was on the trolley. No, it's like like in
1: the Nazi camp. It's the same like in the Nazi camp. It
2: it blows. Well, this is what I was getting into, the rest of the story. So anyway, she led this revolt of 30 maids on this trolley. That went back and forth, and it closed the bridge. Bridges are actually two. Um, for over three days, more than a thousand people got involved. It made international news, and she was called. And she was redheaded. She was called the Amazon, the red-haired Amazon, and she was arrested that night wow. by the El Paso City Police. And she disappeared from jail. She disappeared from history. It was never heard of her again. Wow. So I knew I had to write. A story and I wanted her to be, I wanted a happy ending for her. What they really think happened was that if they did not prosecute her, which they were doing, and they actually hung uh, to the others, if they did not prosecute her, she would cause more chaos. Um, And if, um, if they did prosecute her, she'd become a martyr. So they just... They speculate she was removed from jail and dumped in the desert, her body. But no, one, no one knows. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to yeah, make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. So for the rest, you know. for Paul Harvey, the rest of the story, and I'm just about finished. But this is the mind blowing part. I told you that this went on until 1958. This chemically mm. spraying, forcibly spraying uh. of the Mexican workers. Mm. In
0: 1938,
2: the German scientific journal. Uh, read about this and praised it and they praised the El Paso formula for delousing um, uh. the people and they said well we can do this with the Jews that we are incarcerating uh. we can delouse them uh. and then this continued and when the, Hitler came across with the final solution They exterminated not only the lice, but they exterminated 6 million people, Jews, gypsies, homosexuals. So this is Paul Harviss, the rest of the story that is just horrifying that we bury in history. And if we don't pay attention, it repeats itself. And I'm really worried right now that it's going to repeat itself
1: in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, honestly, it's just, you know... When you think of all these things that have happened to people in the past, and you see what goes on now, it's hard not to think of that.
0: Yeah, because
1: Uh. it's it's out of whack now. It's not. It's nothing like it was, and it's people don't have this. They don't. You know, a lot of people, like we were saying before, you're you're right now in Mexico, and you're saying everybody's very lovely and nice and all of this, but. There's so much. There's so many people now that are not, you know, getting along with each other, and they're not being nice to each other, and we're headed in not a great way for people to really care about each other.
2: Well, when I say um, the people have been so gracious, the Mexicans and helping me and assisting me, and just a lovely, lovely people. But still, we have here, you know, the drug cartels, and you have to be very careful. So yeah. no matter where
1: you are in the world, um, there is that danger, yes. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's a big danger, you know. I mean, it, it's, you know, but when you decided to do this, I mean, you've written historical, and that's what you like to write. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I've written also about um,
2: the mistreatment of the Native Americans. Uh, yeah. I, 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 right now, I could say they're mistreatment of, um, if you want to pick, you know, in our culture, they're yeah. Um, the cancel culture. Um, yes. But we can look for the negative, and I really want to look for the positive. What can we do to right. make exactly. it better? Right,
1: exactly. But how do we how do we do that? You know, because I was mentioning to you beforehand. I mean, I see. You know, a lot. Of, you know, I have a lot of guests on, and I read a lot of the Facebook posts, Twitter posts, and all of this posting and all of this sadness out there. How do people, you know, when Black Talk started doing shows, you know, and then I was on Facebook and everything, I met all these people and everybody was nice to each other and shared and now people aren't sharing things and they're putting different things on and they started to do. What we started to do 15 years ago was put about our books and our careers and, you know, people shared and cared about each other and now there's so much sadness that goes into that like sometimes I'm scrolling down and I'm thinking why am I on this you know because it can't be good mentally to keep seeing such you know everybody puts everything out now good and bad and so in the sadness and we've had two years of COVID over two years and I've had so many guests talking about COVID I mean and all of these people are seemingly un. you know they're tr- everybody's trying to move on, but they can't seem to do that.
2: I I just won't let that stand in my way. Even though COVID, when I moved, it was still I, and it still is. I am um, not going to let that stand in my way. Um, right. That's the reason I wrote Reluctant Rebel. I wanted a happy ending
1: for this unfortunate <laughs> story. Right. No, no, that's uh, true though. But, and uh, uh, remember the I days really when people, when in most of your books that you have, in Life, How It Was. Authors like to give a happy ending. I I like that too. You know exactly. We want I'd like that. to talk about that for a second.
2: People say, yes, do, do "Oh, that. come on, yes, life's definitely. not happy." You know, get get real. But what it is, <laughs> each of my books is a happy resolution to that particular situation. It doesn't right. mean that these characters might not go on and have problems, but in my book, they have happy endings. Right. For that yes. particular situation, oh, but, right, and I, and I like what that. we put out there, we get back, um, yes. I think we ought to be very, very careful what we put out um in our words,
1: even yes, i think I do think that because in you know years to come when people read you know once you write a book, it's out there, you know it's not oh, yeah. you know, we don't know who buys our books, the books are everywhere, so I mean that's one of the things that happy endings can do at the situation you're here ha- like a happy ending for now doesn't mean that right like yeah. you said, doesn't mean that's always but you know you really want to have something good not bad you that's want them exactly. to come away feeling better um, and
2: I think that's what you do even in your program that you make us feel better when we listen oh, um,
0: thank you. It, even
2: it, in our inner, everyday actions you know yeah. uh, no one really wants to hear about if I stub my toe and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, uh, no,
1: right. They
2: want to hear about something good. And
1: so right. I think you do that. And I you think that's a good best. thing. You know, right, and I do think that's a good thing. And, you know, that's why, you know, you've done all these books, and you've raised five sons. And I, there, I'm sure there's been trauma in your life like everybody's had, but you do move on. And so I think that's true. People that is the thing that they're not doing a lot of times. They're not moving on. And as writers, we try to give them something to read or, you know, and the cancel culture, as you you called it before, it's like this is where, you know, all of a sudden somebody's taken off the map. So we're living in that kind of a world, and while we're writing, whatever we're doing, you know, anybody can get in trouble at any time. Oh, yeah. and. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. No, I mean it's just this life. But, I've been in trouble. But yeah. The fact is, <laughs> right, exactly. And the fact is, they can get in trouble, but can they get out of it? And we hopefully, you know, and, and we're, as writers, we want them to get out of whatever trouble it is. So at the end, they have a, diff- a new start. Let's say a lot of times, and there's nothing wrong. Like you did, you took a new start. So you're like,
2: yeah, uh, it was scary, um, uh, but I'm glad I did it. But um, it wasn't easy, but I do it. Mean, right. I just like, I'd like to say this. Everything yep. that I was anticipating, and I wanted to try to be positive, but really I was thinking, oh, what could go wrong? You know, you're trying to look. Yeah, well, right, up. right. And it was scary, but Marcia, every single step fell into place so easily. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and when I say easily, for two months I was without access. I didn't know it was going to happen, but I, got to, I thought I had everything lined up. got down here, and I was without access to my banking funds
1: for two months. And, yes, wow. I
2: wanted to well, – that's did, a big that, – that's a honest, problem. I got That's, my that's, I that's went, not oh.
1: a good – that's not good.
2: That is hard, and I got tears in my eyes. I thought, this is a sign to go back. Let's just head back now. But it worked out beautifully, and I'm so glad um, I went ahead and stayed. Um, I'm I'm really glad. We
1: talked about this before uh, briefly, the happy endings and things like that. And uh, some of the things that go on lately, you know, with writers, with, you know, you, I think, what writers have to realize is they have to do the best story that they can, and they can't keep worrying about what every person thinks about it because then they'll never finish a book. You so said it perfectly. How do you get past that? How do you get it past? How do you get past that?
2: I think you said it perfectly. Not to worry. I can't worry yeah. about how it 's going to be received, I have to do my best and write what I like to write and I will admit that while i 'm writing it it 's crappy i 've got to mention this that um, <laughs> deep purple, which made the New York Times so We lived on a ranch and uh, we mm-hmm. had a great big fifty five gallon dry mountain back. And I was halfway through that book, and I would have—I was ready to burn it. Uh, and when you say burn it, yeah, no, I I, had, I <laughs> actually
1: have had authors on there that have done this, <laughs> that have actually so gone in their yard I, and burned well, their work.
2: I was going to accept. I had my publishing houses uh, upfront money, the advance, and I had to produce something, so I had to marshal on through that book. But I can remember calling. Yep. Um, my best friend, Rita Clay Estrada, who founded R.W. At Romance Writers of America, and I called her and I said, Rita, this book is horrible. It's horrible. It, it's I cannot <laughs> tell you how bad it is. I was crying. And she said, are you telling me, Paris, that it has no plot? I, yes, it has no plot. She said, are you telling me, Paris, it has no characterization? No, no, character, no
1: characterization.
2: <laughs> Paris, are you saying it has no theme? No, 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 thing. And she said, "Paris, you've got yourself a bestseller. <laughs> and I swear it, it went on and made the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, see,
1: so, no, really. okay. so I think so,
2: that's, um, <laughs> back to your question, I think it's important we go ahead and finish what we start. And even if it looks like crap, um, just keep working at it because that's what you enjoy doing is writing. And no, if that's it sells, it's that's well accepted. That's your icing.
1: Right. And that's the thing, you know, and that is interesting because sometimes when I get to a part and I've talked to one of my friends, I'll go, you know, I really hate this. I said, I don't know if I, you know, I just hate it. It's bad. And then they go, oh, you must be nearly finished now. I'm going like, well, yes. They go, because you say this every book you do. because then yes. you go like oh i just don't know if i can finish this it's not good nobody's going to like it the dialogue isn't right maybe the characters or who knows should i make it better should i change this and yeah. then they go like oh almost finished, almost done Because <laughs> I know you it's just what happens time. yes i go i guess i go through this constantly but the thing is i I started this years ago, and when I was, you know, an agent and everything, and I kept wanting people to keep writing, and that's one of the reasons I do the show, because I want them to keep writing, because, you know, we are very hard critics a lot of times on ourselves. And when we do a page, we could do a page 20 times. You think a reader's going to read our page 20 times? They're not. They're Read it and move no. on. They're not going to. But then you have those reviewers that go, oh, they forgot a comma and oh my god they did this wrong and so i had somebody on my show i don't know if you know jack remick he's a really great guy so he he's was a professor and he was so he movies books everything and he would he one time said to me on a show he goes you know if a reviewer doesn't like your book that's okay because you're not going to sit and rewrite it again and that's about it you're not just move on you know just because somebody exactly. might not like it So And I think it's hard to do that mentally, but we have to do that. I talk to myself quite a bit. It's all about... Quite a bit. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's all about
2: following your passion, and your passion should be writing. If you're in it for... Fame or fortune, you're in it for the wrong reason. You should be doing yeah, it because you right. enjoy it, even though you're suffering and bleeding at the <laughs> when you're writing. <laughs> you're right. This is what it's about. And, and, and if it does make a bestseller list or if you make a, yep. a, a fortune
1: off yep. of it, if you make a series on TV, that's yep. the icing. Yep. Right, it's true, and that yeah. the name of my show actually started you know good story is a good story, because I had a manager years ago and he had passed away, but i, I just he had in my he, in my head he would go, you know uh, just write a good story, and that's what you need a good story because if you don't have a good story, it doesn't matter if you're commas or your you're uh, what, you know any any of the punctuation, if the story's not good that's what that's not good, so make a good story, enjoy it. And that's the thing I think a lot of people are not finding. They're not enjoying it as much because they have all this marketing and everything, you know, and most people know that I don't like marketing, but I do it. But I really don't like it because it it drives me crazy. Because it it when I see how much time you, I spent and other people do out there, I'm thinking I could be writing. What am I doing? Just sitting. Here, We're writers. You know?
2: We're not marketers. And and right. even now exactly. talking to you, I'm not a marketer, a promoter. And and I think, oh, what am I doing? I get nervous. I'm really. I'd rather be writing. And. <laughs> But thank you for letting me promote my book. I appreciate it. I wanted to mention, and I think it was Catherine Levesque that said when you mentioned about you know someone uh, writing a review badly, um, about how bad your book is. Let's say. Yeah. And- I I can't repeat what she said over the radio here. Okay, but she said a freaking book. That's right.
1: exactly no, just a freaking That's, story. Exactly. Another, she used another exactly.
2: F word, but she said it's a story. For for right. Sake, it's, right. it's just a freaking story, Right know?
1: Right, exactly.
2: Don't. Yeah. You're
1: right because I was talking to one of my friends. I'm going. Look, at This is a story. That's all it is. You know, and I think people expect. You know. You, every book or every paragraph or every chapter can't be like, you know, oh, stars all over it. It's a story. That's why people need to read the beginning, yeah. middle, and end. If they don't read the end, they don't know how good the story is because if you don't finish it and you start and you give someone a review without finishing it, that's so unfair. Don't review it. Cause I've had people on here I and know. they don't write any, a lot of them don't write anymore. And, you know, as I was saying with Bennett, Bennett, Bennett was a reviewer and he was tough you know, and uh, people would be mad at him. But the fact is, he was—he didn't want him to stop writing, but some did. I mean, I know people that did. And I said, it's just They stopped book. writing because of his review? Yes. The, is yes what you're yes, saying? Of a, oh, my god, Of a bad review. Of a bad review. Yes, they did. A bad review? Because they thought no, they would start a reviews. question. Well, you know what? That's interesting, because I tried not. I, I wasn't reading them, and then I started reading them, and then I found one. You know, that was on from 2012, and I read it, and I'm going like, what is this about? You know, I didn't even know it was out there, because I, I don't really, I have to be truthful, I don't like Goodreads, and I've said it a million times. I don't even understand Goodreads. When I get on Goodreads, I, don't I go either, like... I do I don't like I go like, I have to get out of this. have to
2: navigate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I go like, I think yeah. I need to get out of this. I go in, and it, there's actually a link on my website, but I go in, and I go, Oh, no. I can't do this. And I get off because I don't know what it's for. It's not easy to navigate. First of all, if people are looking, they go like, oh, I might try your book. Well, what does that mean? I mean who needs that if you, don't, if you don't you know it's kind of weird because then they go oh this is on my list of books to read and most likely if i i haven't but if you go back those people probably never got your book you know something I if you have to think that much to get my book don't then you're not getting it you yeah know? and i'm thinking well, you know so i i just that's something about that good reads. i cannot when i get on there i go like I don't even get it. I just don't.
0: I don't either.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's good to hear because I don't. And so I'm, you know, so my shows, usually the people, listen, I'm trying to explain to them that just write. And because it's obvious you love writing. I mean, and your covers, okay, like who picks your covers? They're very bright usually and they have good coloring and, you know, they're interesting. So how do you decide what? cover to have and what you want on your cover because that's hard for people when I first started out um, one of the major publishing
2: houses I know, who was it was it Ballantine or Fawcett I had cover approval um which, as it came down to the wire, meant nothing, because I objected to one of the covers. <laughs> and
1: they <laughs> oh. they
2: nope, nope, too late to change it, even though yeah. it was in the contract. Right. And you can, of course, fight it if you want to fight it, but, that you know,
1: yeah. Yeah, who, who has yeah, the that, money to that, fight a right. big yeah. com- right. publishing Right, out. not them. Right. So, um,
2: but anyway, since I've, I have the rights back to many of my books, I... As an indie publisher, I reloaded them, and various artists, cover artists, have done the books, and of course, now I have cover approval. um, Because you're the boss. There (laughs) really are. I've been very lucky to have some great
1: cover artists. Yeah, that's good. You know, because people, you know, things do matter a lot of times. The title matters, you know, um, and... I think we all, you know, sometimes people have been on the show talking about the fact that they didn't like their covers and they changed them and they do better. So I think nothing is ever written in stone in any of this. If you're independently published, you can do whatever you want. And if you're with a publisher, you can't. And when you get your rights back, you can't because you might not stay with them or they may not want you, or they may be out of business, which a lot of the smaller uh, publishers are. They're gone. They're gone. Since yes, I started and since I've started doing radio shows, I know so many publishers. They were in, they were small smaller publishers, but they had a lot of authors. But they're gone. They just couldn't do it. It's because it's it's very hard. It's not easy to be a publisher. Well, I wanted
2: to ask you, being having been an agent, where do you see your role? Is it one that's disappearing or with, with indie publishing, or what do you see now?
1: Do well, I, you... see that, I see that this is really good for authors because I think that over the years I had so many good clients, and I couldn't get them anywhere because I took new clients. And I was a WGA signatory. I just couldn't. You know, we did a lot of screenplays and things of that nature. And so people just couldn't get, and they left the field and I'm so and I talk about this a lot because some of the ones that I had were great really terrific authors and independent publishing is for those people if they stayed in it but they really a lot of them didn't because if they couldn't get a publisher so what now it's really I think it's very open market for people and you don't have to worry about the fact that you can't get a publisher you have to just get an editor do your book cover but you can there are people out there now that help people and amazon helps you have to pay them but at least they help you and you should go to someone that's not over some of them are very overpriced and that's why i kind of tell people check all these people out because some of these people do uh... charge way too much money and aren't really good for them so i always say if you have a question just ask me you know because i'll be happy to answer them but i do think this is the best time of all for indie authors because i think that people out there the right the reader. The reader doesn't care who your publisher is. They care about your story and if it's good and they enjoy it. That's what I think. Do you agree on that? It's a story.
2: I agree on that and I assume you're talking about both cover artists, about edit editing everything. You have everything to do it right, about because right, 'cause you're doing uh, this. You're being fine. careful when you do you, indie who you get. Yes, um, yes. but I wanted to ask Very you true. then on this Marcia, so Everyone, if they want to, can write a book and put it up, you know, on Amazon, get it published. It's not that difficult to get it published. Writing it, yes. Yes, yes. So what do you do for these writers who – there's – Thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions out there, well, I think what the thing is I think
1: right, and I, I think that one of the things that they can do is try to get on radio shows and try to get somebody not a lot of money because a lot of people writers don 't have a lot of money a lot, so try to get someone to help you do a little marketing, do banners, do different things, but I after all these years, I actually think one thing is you 've got to get as many books as you can out there because I really think. You can dwell. I'm one of those people that will. You can't keep reading it and reading it and reading it, and you just have to put it out there eventually, and keep writing. (laughs) Because if you you, you know, it's true. Because sometimes, like I said before, you know. But I also have another thing. When people write screenplays, which I did, uh, if if you can, try to do them in a book. Not everybody can do that, but if you can make them in a novel or novella, which is what I do, novellas a lot, because someone may find your book and they might want to do it in a movie. But they're oh, yeah. not going to read the like, They're not going to want to read four hundred pages a lot of times. So if you can do a novella at, from the screenplay and use those characters, don't keep them in the drawer because when you do a script, it, all your work is in the drawer and nobody may ever see it. But if you do it and get some help publishing and editing and doing that. You might, your story, like you said before, you didn't even like your story and then you won an award on it, you know. So we are tough on ourselves. Oh yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think like I said to my I said, listen, I said next time when I'm finished with this, I have a new book coming out. This is the first time I've done the series, so it's the second one in the series, you know, and it's called Second Chances, and I'm doing a third one. But after that, I said, oh, I think I'm going to just go under another name because I don't care if they know who I am. I just want to be somebody else sometimes, you know. But obviously, now, you never do. Yes, I know.
2: No, I never did. But there was a reason early on, um, when you were with a major publishing house, they owned the rights to your name unless it was a training pseudonym. Now, yeah, to your own right. name, they could yeah. not own the rights. So I never uh, used a synonym because right. they, they had the rights right. to right. that. True. Right, Now, that's no, and, right. no
1: longer true. Do you copyright your book? I do. I copyright it with Washington myself, every book I do. Do you do that or do you just – Go with uh, the I
2: my publisher uh, my publisher does. as far as indie publishing I
1: have paid uh, to have it done yeah by it's the copyright, copyright office uh, in Washington yeah. yeah and I tell people that yeah. because the last thing that anybody wants is to be standing by a judge and they say well why didn't you just get your own copyright because it's like fifty some dollars now and what are you going to say to them? No, I just didn't feel like it. No, just spend that money because it's good for 100 <laughs> go years. go ahead. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah. I think it is worth it. Is that how it long it's good
2: for now? I cause I, wasn't I think sure it is like 100 years. Was, yeah.
1: Some, okay. Exact, yeah. I didn't know if it was for so a it, lifetime yeah. of the author. Or, okay, It could be, you know, but it's 100. So, you know, most likely that is the lifetime of most people. So we'll see. You know, who knows going to live after that. But I think that, you know, one of the things is I think that, you know, Try to get, you know, to have friends that are in this business that understand this because your regular friends, they don't understand this business because we're, we're so invested mentally in this. You know, it's oh, like yeah. this is our life. You know, this is our life. Was, Whether we're watching TV, I, we're watching a movie in our head is another somebody talking to us something about else going on. what's our story. And you could see something on TV, have nothing to do with your book, but it gives you an idea. A lot of people, I know you know, friends don't, yeah. think
2: of writers as being, and I put this in, one, in the, um,
1: <laughs> an interview I just
2: did, but as being free spirits. But actually but, there's a difference between being a free spirit and being flighty. And flighty, I am not. I am committed no. every day to yeah, writing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Free spirit. I'd like to say that, too. I feel like a free spirit. I do my own thing mentally, you know, and uh, I don't copy other people's work. And that's one of the other things. Try to do your own story. Don't keep reading everybody's story and add their story to your story. You know, do your own.
2: (laughs) I know. I don't know (laughs) why they do that. Hollywood trotting out all these sequels, you know, and I just think, why? Why not do
1: something original? Well, that's the other thing, right. See, that's the thing, and, you know, I've said this many times. You know, unfortunately, they are missing the boat because there are tons of scripts out there that are fabulous, and they're not getting them because their agents won't let them read anybody unless they have an agent, and you know what? The, The job of an agent, you know, if you're not one of the top, money earners, you're, that agent is not going to do anything for you. And that's a sad thing, right. but it's true. It, it is true. You know, and I think the, the, I really think that the stars have no idea how many people actually contact their agents, and they won't let them read the script. And that's sad because oh, really? you know how many Right? there's a ton of writers out there that are fabulous. And a lot of them years oh gosh, ago, they yes. wanted to have to be... Yeah, they wanted to be WGA, so that's why I became WGA, so they would read the scripts. But they still don't know what they want. And a lot of them now, there's less of a chance I think you can get your script done because they're writing, directing, producing all in-house together. You know, they under and one. And you
2: might want to say Writers Guild of America. Property because some
1: people might not know WG right Writers Guild of America. Uh, right. Yeah, and I was on the East Coast writer am in Chicago, but it was considered the West. Coast. Yeah, we had different we had different rules than the West did. But I oh, I still to this day feel bad about a lot of the people that gave up writing, and you know, so that's why when I have the shows, I think people listening to the shows they understand that it's not easy, and that's why some of the things I said. Say to them are things that I've I've made a lot of mistakes, but because I've made mistakes, I've learned. So I feel oh my like every yes. day I learned Yeah, don't you feel that way? You have to be. I, oh, yeah. I've, I, I've made, made more
2: mistakes, in, more mistakes Ugh. than anyone probably. But uh, <laughs> as far as writing, it's you know it has to be your primary job. I was in that interview. I you had called me on. Um, yeah. I had mentioned that. At one point, I was working, let's see, I was working four jobs seven days a week for almost six months. Uh, And now one of those four jobs, I agree, was writing. But I had three more jobs that kept me busy seven days a week for almost six months just to support my children. But never could I imagine giving up writing. To me, that's like giving up breathing. I mean, the happiest I ever am is when I'm writing.
1: Well, actually, and the most miserable. miserable, and let me, and the most miserable. <laughs> yeah, that's that. true. But right, 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 right. Well, right, and you know that's true. But I know when I sit down, I'm really happy doing this. And I do know when I sit down to do marketing, I'm a little more, I'm uptight when I'm doing that because in my head, I don't think it works that well, you know. And I've had marketers on, and I have people marketing. But if you, that's why I'm telling people. That's what I think now is just to write the best you can and get that story out. And don't keep thinking about this one has 20 books, this one has 50 books. If you only have 5 or 10 or whatever, just keep writing. Because the truth is nobody ever knows if they're going to get a bestseller. You You cannot know that regardless of what anybody thinks. You don't know. And you could get You're one. right. You cannot predict a bestseller, can you? No, you can't. I
2: remember long, long ago, one of the major publishing houses put a ton of money into marketing. I'm trying to, I think it was called The Century. And we're talking maybe 50 years ago. And, and it was predicted to be a bestseller. And they pushed it. And they already, before it ever got out, they had it on the book banner, number one yes. bestseller. Yeah. And it bombed. Yeah. You just, you cannot predict. And then look at All See, because the man, even you when, you when you see the out word. With, um Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say Finish. Tom Clancy started out with uh, right. Hunt for Red October, I believe it was, with a small uh, press. I think it was Naval Press. Uh, mm-hmm. And look, it went on. You know, look you, where he went. Who would look at like everything
1: he did—movies, everything.
2: And yeah, but it started out small, so you can't right. predict anything.
1: No, I don't think you can. And a lot of them, you know, John Grisholm, He—I remember hearing a story about him. He went to a book signing of his own okay he drove around the. you know he was having his first book signing he drove around the block he was so nervous you know going in and he you know i mean and he didn't know if he could ever make it you know okay and look what happened to him you know and stephen king and so, so many people that are you know that are people out there that never thought they'd made it did do make it
2: yeah you know? and the one thing can do but just write
1: it I know, that's true, because this is the one thing that I do feel bad about. Like, when the Academy Awards this time was, and that coda, the movie won, it was a really great movie, and it had yes. so many different features in it. It had bullying, it had people that couldn't hear, you know, and it had just people and community coming together, and that's what nobody's talking about. That movie had it all. It had everything in it, and they just let it. You know, they're not talking about, like, my opinion is, I think it would be nice if people, especially kids, if they could learn how to sign, it would really be good because they can learn fast. And I think that should be part of the curriculum so people could communicate with people that can communicate. Eat. Yes.
2: Absolutely. I, and I know just a little bit of signing, and now, and now I feel guilty. I need to go and learn more. Thank
1: you. But I think it's really good. I think it, you know, and they should, especially if they taught it in, when they were young, if kids are young, because when kids are young, they pick it up fast, you know, and oh, even up, I think a lot of yeah, people anything. learned how to do that with babies. You know, they learned how to do some signing if they wanted a cup, and I do think those are the things that they should have been talking about, and that's what's wrong with Hollywood. They don't They don't talk about the things that matter, the lessons people and how people really love movies. And, you know, it's a really good, especially during the pandemic. The pandemic, you know, I hear a lot of shows now on Hollywood shows we talk about. Actually, next week we're going to talk about Downton Abbey and Gilded Age. And I'm having just guests not only have, they don't have to be writers. So it's just talking about things that people have in common because people are watching a lot of TV and it's good; it's a good thing. Because, and do
2: you think that's because of the pandemic? We're watching yes. more TV because we're so. isolated.
1: Yes, I think
2: so. and, But there's some really good shows on. As I understand it, I, I want to confess up front: I don't, I don't even have a TV, uh, and I don't watch TV. Don't have a radio. <laughs> You're going to hate me, but I watch. On, well, what do, do you do? Talk, I
1: don't on, hate online. you. I'm not, hating, I'm not hating. you. But what do you do? I, then you just write. I. Read. I
2: write, I read. Um, everywhere I go, I don't have a car, so I walk everywhere. Like, where well, you might go to Kroger and get everything you want, and you're in and out and back in an hour. It, it might take me 45 minutes just to walk one way, and then 45 minutes back, and then 45 minutes at the store. And I go to different stores. I'll go to Tienda uh, for fresh eggs. I'll go to Carniceria for my fresh meat. Uh, I'll go to another store that handles only cleaning supplies. So
1: see, but uh, that's but the thing. see what your life is now what your life is now is what a lot of people might want to do soon. Because I think people right basic. now Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a different life. And I'm you know but it's, I also it's meet not the same pace. And it's not the same pace.
2: I'm it's slower pace, but I meet people and I'm forced to communicate better. Even if it's in Spanish, but it's that meeting. I don't, I don't think we meet people anymore. We, we're, we zip through the checkout line, you know. And, um, well, I'm, that's I'm what I missed. grateful.
1: That's what I miss during the COVID because I miss the fact that when you had to, wearing masks, you can't talk to people. And I do like to talk you to people. And, you know, like my husband would always be saying, if we're in a restaurant, then if I left to go to the bathroom, I'd come out talking with somebody. <laughs> because that's what it is. <laughs> I like to talk to people, but that's how I get to learn about life from other people. Just but their opinions their and how they too. are. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I think it's important. That's what's uh, going to be a problem now for a lot of people that aren't communicating with anybody. You can't, you know, working from home is really good, but you still have to have relationships. They oh need yeah, that, but they don't have them. And so I get relationships here, um, a bit much
2: more uh, than I did. See, in that's States.
1: good. See, that's a good thing. See, I want yeah. to ask you now about one thing <laughs> which I didn't talk about. All right, you you were a co-founder of the Romance Writers.
2: Of America, yes, uh-huh.
1: yes. So, yes, how did you decide that, and what what's going on with that now?
2: Well, how it was decided, um, I I had actually sold um, my second book when I was a speaker. This was back, I I think I sold my first book in seventy seven, and and. Came out in seventy eight. I really don't remember. But so my second book uh, in seventy nine. I was a speaker at the um, Southwest Writers Conference in Houston, Texas. And uh, I think it was the Rice University. I'm trying to remember now. It's been a long time. It's been forty one years, forty three years. I'm trying to think. So anyway,
1: and so, um, so last changed in my again. hotel. Pardon me. Life has changed now. So I want to uh, yeah. in my yeah.
2: hotel room that night was a friend, Rita Clay Estrada, and a couple of other writers. One was Sandra Stanford, who's no longer living, but she was the first American writer to write for Harlequin. Now Janet wow. Daly was the second, but and she, but you know, blew every the covers away. Uh, but so yeah. there were about six of us. Sandra Brown was in the room with us. She had not sold yet, See, and Rita. Estrada said, Rita Clay Estrada said, why don't we start an organization like Western Writers of America and we'll call it Romance Writers? And so we decided to do that, and we had our first meeting, about 60 to 70 uh, charter members showed up in Houston for wow. a savings and loan, and we decided to have a conference. And, Marsha, we were, and we had to put the money up front, and we were thinking, we had to get the money together, and yeah. um, we were thinking, well, do you think 60 people come? Well, what if there's 80? We, we really thought we were going big time when we planned for 100 to show up at this conference. Marsha, over 800 people showed up. Wow. Oh, my God. And we had the BBC, uh, British Broadcasting. We had um, New York Times. We had the San Francisco Chronicle or the Washington Post. Um, It was huge. And um, we became the largest writer's organization in the world with, I think it was close to 12,000 members across the continents, Um, Australia, Europe, you name it. And, um, Unfortunately, in the last year, uh, history got rewritten, and there, it was yeah. co-opted, and the membership has dropped off to practically nothing.
1: Uh, yeah, I, that's so I, don't, I, I really don't know what's yeah.
2: going on there.
1: It's sad. Yeah, I know. So. It is sad.
2: But it is it's sad. really helped a yeah. lot
1: of writers
2: over the last 40 years. So that yeah, was good.
1: Wow. That, See, that was I so wow. sometimes right because It's right because that's something that was good, you know, and that's because a lot yeah. of people – did need something like that to keep them, you know, focused. To know, you know, Did you ever attend any of the them. conferences? I didn't know not to the conferences. Any? No, no, but I do okay. know about them, you know, and I think I did join, I okay. I was a member for a few years, I think, years ago, but I think, you know, then they had the magazine and everything like that, I mean, things were yeah. so different, everything was very different, and now, I think, you know, that's one of the things, that's why, like, on my show a lot of times, if we have three or four people, then they ask questions, I'm glad you asked me some questions, because I think that's what this is about, people should be able to talk to each other, and not just have, you know, that's my show doesn't have like, I would give you 10 questions to answer because it's a conversation of whatever comes up. Because people need to know the things from people like yourself who have done and been so successful with all these books. Well, thank you. But and it. It. And and still I love it. I still too. love
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had books and that and bombed. And, but all you can do is write your best and, and enjoy each moment because that's all right. you have is that moment.
1: Yes, and that's true, and then you have to take that moment, you know, and you really do, and not be afraid, and, you know, it does take bravery to do this, because, you know, you're putting something out there, but, you know, and people, like, it took me a while to realize that what I'm writing isn't about me, because it's about my character, so if people didn't like something a character did, that's the character, not me, you know, and I think people have to get over that, because that's hard to get over. You know, it you is, to... and
2: the reviews are, are difficult. Um, you know, I would read them, and and either I would get a big head when someone wrote, "What a
0: great book," <laughs> or
2: you know, or, 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 my, my head would shrivel like a punched balloon, a punctured <laughs> balloon, when I read a bad review. And and I realized you cannot please everyone, and all I can do is please myself, and um, that's all I can do. But that's really good, and you know, and on that note, you know. So what's next for you? Let's see. I am writing right now. Um, <laughs> it's about a woman in, in her seventh decade, almost 80, who takes a risk and answers the call to adventure. Um wow. And moves away from family and friends. So, <laughs>
1: anybody who about autobiography? What do you
2: know? No, anybody. <laughs> I, I, uh, but it does incorporate. You have to know. You have to feel. I mean, there's been times when I've probably felt like murdering someone. You, I mean, and so these are <laughs> yes, these are some of my own feelings about. Um, there's not a book, you know, for dummies for aging. And you know, it's, it's about discovering and adventure.
1: So. Well, that's true, because, you know, even in my book, in the new book coming out, The se- uh, Second Chances, it's about, a, you know, a couple that they have their second chance, and they both had married other people, and then they were available, and then they end up, you know, along with a young couple, younger couples also, but romance does happen to people that are not 20 years old, so I think Second Chances is, that it's out there for everybody,
2: I'm you know, no matter what you. are I'm looking again. for a hot tamale here. <laughs> <So we're> I <saying. laughs> bet you'll find I'm one. I okay. bet you'll find
1: one. <laughs> all right. So, uh, and, all, you know, I thank you so much for coming on. You see, we didn't have to worry about anything to talk about because you are quite interesting. You've, you've, you you've made it so easy,
2: Marsha. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. I hope you idea. come on again.
1: <laughs> I hope you come on again.
2: <laughs> I would love it. And um, okay. have a ten buen, um, have a great day. Okay?
1: Uh right, you too. Thank you so much. All right. Take okay. keep your adventure going. I still love going. Okay. <laughs> bye <laughs> kisses. Goodbye, bye.
2: bye Bye, Bye.
1: Bye bye. Okay, and thank you. And next week we will be talking about, as I said, Down Abbey with um four we're going Elizabeth Black, Jen Connors. Chris Carlson and Karen Peters and myself, and that should be very interesting. So join us. And then on the next week after that, Kat o will be on about resilience coaching because I think out there we all need to have somebody tell us how to get focused. So everybody, have a great day. Have a good holiday, Easter, Passover. Thank you. Bye.